Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, your favorite sports podcast where two sports lovers sit and give their hot takes. Off the Dome. I am Redfish. And I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will be steering this ship today over here on OTD by way of the No Network, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only way to spell it. Make sure to follow us off the underscore dome pod on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Which you have recently joined for the first time, Rebo Hustle OTD. Yes, sir. Glad to see you on the platform. Uh, follow me as well at the real B Duhon D U H O N. We're missing out on uh, the beautiful Mustang today, but he's on there as well. Follow us there. Also, make sure to follow the No at B N the K N E A U X on Twitter. Also, go on the No dot com to check out some wonderful articles and other written content as well as some videos we've been putting out on the youtube channel we just put out one earlier this morning on the lsu defensive staff overhaul which before we get any further into that let's talk about them and what they may be doing today so we talked about in that video you should go check it out by the way LSU defensive staff overhaul on the no uh, the no YouTube channel, but we talked about Kevin Peoples, we talked about Bo Davis, and we talked about Blake Baker. But one guy we didn't talk about because he was just brought back about an hour and a half ago, Corey Raymond. Yeah, we brought him up. I mean, we talked about how he's a legend on LSU's campus and all the legendary DBs that he's coached for us. Um, because we kind of got into who they could hire because we weren't really sure at the time because the kind of the traction of names kind of fell off in the last two weeks or so, especially after the Kevin Peoples hire last week. Um, and so it was really a toss-up, kind of guessed at it. We gave you all five names. We're correct on one of them. Hey, and um, to mention that talent you brought up, just to talk about some guys he's coached as well as recruited, um, here's a list of those names, and I'll only mention the ones who I know. You know, whether you're a Louisiana football fan or not, you'll know these names. Tyron Matthew, Eric Reed, Jalen Collins, Jalen Mills, Trey White, Jamal Adams, Dante Jackson, Greedy Williams, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, Jacoby Stevens, Derek Stingley, Cordell Flott, and Jay Ward. Add on Kerry Vincent, Patrick Queen, Russell Gage, as recruits, all of those people are people he coached in the DB room at LSU. Yeah, I mean, we we knew that he was an ace recruiter. He was the leading recruiter for LSU in the uh, New Orleans area. And you really saw that drop off in the past couple seasons of recruits out of New Orleans going elsewhere, going to Texas, going to Ohio State, stuff like that. And just to know that a guy like him is back and you've, you've already taken steps in the right direction to recruit the state of Louisiana more. And honestly, the, there's probably two guys that were in the conversation of being great hires, and he's one of them. Yeah. Very excited to see him back um, along with Bo Davis, Blake Baker coming back as well. So, you know, it almost feels like this Thanos putting in the infinity gauntlet um, of all these stones of LSU's past and bringing them back and making sure – uh, we can bring back those defenses of old with, you know, the D-line up to the linebackers and now with the corners and safeties with Corey Raymond, not only as a recruiter but as a coach, taking a secondary that last year did not perform to the standards of somebody who claims to be DBU. 
And now we're back, and we're looking forward to the future with Corey Raymond as our defensive backs coach. Speaking about coaching, big changes were made down in New Orleans, which we'll get into right now. So the man you saw on that graphic right there, no, 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 not the one with Winston on his back or the one with the helmet on who looks confused as always, the one who's the most confused and the one who's without a job, Pete Carmichael, no longer the offensive coordinator for New Orleans Saints. Two other coaches also fired today, and um, I forget their names. Uh, Kobe Burns, I believe, is one of them uh, with the wide receivers, and then we had an offensive analyst also fired. Um, Sorry, his name is escaping me at this moment, but I think Pete Carmichael's the biggest name we have to pay attention to. Um, No longer New Orleans Saints coach. Yeah, I mean, we harped on it all year, especially on this podcast, about how... Pete Carmichael is the the root of most of the confusion going on with the Saints organization, at, at least on the field-wise. You saw some pretty bad play calling in our opinions. Um, honestly, at this rate, any new face other than two or three that are that have also got fired this year is, is better. Um, yeah. Also, I believe you said the running backs coach. Yes, Joel Thomas, running backs coach, went to the New York Giants in the same position. Yeah, so you're missing three offensive position coaches and another offensive staffer. Um, Very interested to see on where we go with that. I'm sure between us or the No Network, we'll have some input in that and put out a video that will be easy to consume. Yeah, make sure to stay on the lookout for that. Um, we've been doing a lot better at putting out about 10-minute videos through that No YouTube channel um, where you can have a shorter amount of time to take in some content and see what we're um, what we're doing over here at the network and see what's going around Louisiana sports. So make sure to check that out at the No on YouTube. Uh, getting back to the idea that we're having so many position coaches leave and offensive coordinators gone now, it kind of reminds you of that LSU defense we just talked about uh, with a complete staffing overhaul on one side of the ball that was fairly disappointing this season um you know you can look at some stats and you'll be like oh it wasn't that bad but definitely didn't pass the eye test um you can look at you can look at numbers all you want but sometimes statistics don't tell the full story and that's how I feel about this past saint season over the past six games you know we were scoring 28 plus points but you can score all the points you want on bad teams what matters is you didn't make the playoffs you didn't win a very winnable division um that we saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go at home last night against a Philadelphia Eagles squad and absolutely dominate them whistle to whistle. So um, when you look at a game like that and you look at a team like what New Orleans has with the talent that we have, there's no question we should be farther along than we are, and that has to come back on coaching. So it's time to see if the offensive side of the ball can get better now that P. Carmichael is out of the building. Yeah, and I mean, reflecting back to what we were just talking about with LSU's coaching staff changes, I mean, as fans, we saw three absolute home runs in the – uh, for the defensive coaches at LSU. I mean, if you don't even have to hit home runs if you're New Orleans right now. The Saints just need competent play caller, some position coaches that don't necessarily have to be massive names. You've got great talent at the running back position. You've got young rising stars at the wide receiver position. I mean, it's I'm. there's not going to be any point in trying to sit here and say, well, 
what's the big biggest name on the market? Let's go get him because I don't think that 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 will solve many problems. Yeah, and we don't want to speculate about who's getting hired and you know who they've already met with, who they're thinking about because we don't know anything. I mean, the firing just happened today. They just decided to move on. So there's there's no real connections um, that we can see as of right now. Um, but like we said, keep out uh, on the lookout for some more content coming from the No Network, coming from Off the Dome, to keep up with who the Saints are looking at for OC and when we do eventually make the hire, what we think they'll be able to do for the Saints. Um, that's about the only Saints news we have. NFL-wide, um, wildcard weekend is over. We're moving into the divisional round. Um you know, none of us were perfect on picks based on the video we put out. If you haven't seen that video yet, we made a full playoff predictions video over on our channel. So go ahead and check that out. Um, NFL playoff predictions courtesy of the Off the Dome crew. Um, however, all of our Super Bowl picks are still alive. Thankfully. All of our Super Bowl picks are still alive. One of us may have the uh, NFC championship off the off the table at this point. But Yeah, we don't, we're not going to talk about it. It's fine. Um, you know, most of the games were blowouts. We only had one close game between the Rams and the Lions. Uh, everything else was kind of just never competitive. Hopefully this divisional round can give us a little bit of a better feel for it. Um, in my opinion, I think basically the higher seed's going to win every divisional round matchup based on what I've seen. Uh, the Ravens, I think, I think as much as the Texans are hot and how much I love them and CJ Stroud, I think the Ravens are going to go ahead and beat them. Um, the Bills are too hot to lose. I don't see the Chiefs beating them. I'm sure, I think it's going to be a classic. It will. It always is between Kansas City and Buffalo. I'm sure it'll come down to 58 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Whoever has the ball is going to drive down, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, on the NFC side, we have the Lions taking on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa going into Detroit. Ford Field is rocking in the playoffs, and I expect it to continue um, with Detroit moving on. And then for me, San Fran's the team to beat right now, and uh, I don't see Green Bay. As as much as they dominated the Cowboys, I don't see them being able to overcome what is the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I completely agree. That's hard to argue. I'm, I mean, honestly, the only one that we can differ on is the uh, Chiefs-Bills game. I think it's going to be the tightest game of the weekend, and we'll be electric, of course. We've seen that playoff matchup two out of the last three years, I believe. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited. We're going to see some great football, see some young talent uh, try to prove themselves against the Ravens. And the NFC side, I think you're you're right on. San Fran's a team to beat. The Lions are on fire. Hard to come into Ford Field and play. Yeah, uh, super excited for the rest of this NFL season. And obviously we'll keep talking about it as it goes through and then Maybe once the Super Bowl gets closer, we'll have some Super Bowl plans. We'll have to wait and see about that. But I think we're pretty good on football here. Talked LSU, talked Saints, talked NFL. So let's get into a season that's coming very hot and fast, LSU baseball. Man, that graphic is sweet. The thing I've been waiting for for the longest. You are one of the biggest LSU baseball fans I've ever met in my life. And I only started following him like two years ago. <laughs> and yet we won but a I national am, championship last season. I'm addicted. Hey, not a bad thing to be addicted to. There could be a lot worse. Um, so, you know, the 2023 
college baseball season was one for the books for the Tigers. Um, we're a top three team literally all season long. Um, just when it looked like they were about to go down in Omaha, uh, Wake Forest had them on the ropes. Tommy Tanks hits a walk-off, sends us to the World Series to take on Florida. A tight game and then two dominant games, but all that matters is the last dominant game where the Tigers took home a W to beat Florida and uh, went home with the national championship. So we did lose a lot of the players off those teams. Of course, Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, two first-round picks in the MLB draft. Ty Floyd, another first-round pick, I believe, from the MLB draft. Um, guys like da- Gavin Dugas, who were here for forever. Jordan Thompson, um, who played shortstop for us. I mean, we had tons of guys leave. But Jay Johnson is still at the helm. We've got some talented transfers coming in, and we've got some retained players. So, Rebo Hustle, break it down for us. Yeah, I mean, like you said, last season we saw some crazy offensive firepower. They were averaging 8.9 runs per game and uh, kind of struggling defensively at first and kind of caught fire uh, through the SEC, struggled a little bit in Omaha, and then caught caught fire right right in time to win the national championship. Um, I really feel like this stat, like this year's roster is built so much differently than last year's. I mean, you had the offensive firepower of Dylan Cruz, Gavin Dugod, Jordan Thompson, and some amazing fielders and Jordan Thompson and uh, our outfield played elite baseball all year. Um, But this year I feel like it's going to be very defensive oriented. Uh, You have some amazing fielders coming in through the transfer portal. You have some crazy pitching out of freshmen, out of transfers, out of the guys you've retained. Um, Last year, your team ERA was 4.47, which isn't great, but it isn't terrible. And honestly, I feel like that was very much so carried by Paul Skeens. You lose him, but you've got you've made you've made the attempt to replace an arm. You're not going to replace Paul Skeens. He's a number one pick for a reason. Um, but honestly, I feel like this this pitching staff is more more well built. Is that a word? Is that, is that how you say it? Yeah, is that sure. how English works? More sure. well-built? I mean, you're asking the wrong guy, but sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so this defensive pitching staff is crazily built. You have arms out of the wazoo. You've got them coming from the left side. you got them coming from the right. And uh, honestly, I feel like we have like seven starters or so, and yeah. you've only got three spots, if we're being honest. Um, also, you brought in Nate Yeski to be your pitching coach this offseason who had some amazing seasons at Oregon State, probably one of the best, most dominant pitching staffs in our lifetime, if we're being honest, at Oregon State. Um, So I'm excited to see what he can do with these arms. And, of course, to tackle what I believe is our Friday night guy, Thatcher Hurd, guy who came up huge in Omaha, came up huge in the SEC tournament, one of your most mature arms, um... Played great at UCLA as a freshman, transferred here as a sophomore. Um, yeah, just dominant baseball. And then you've got another UCLA transfer coming in from this year's class, Gage Jump. He's a lefty. I don't know much about him, but according to NOLA.com, uh, Jay Johnson said that he he is most likely to start at least the first week of the season. And then you've got the trans one of the two transfers transfer arms from Alabama, Luke Holman. 
He's a right-hander, also expected to start from Jay Johnson's mouth. And then two guys that Jay Johnson said are midweekers. One of them I feel like is going to end up being a weekend starter in Nate Ackenhausen. We saw him play amazing baseball in the uh, in College the World, World Series. Series. Yep. Yes, in Omaha. And then Griffin Herring, he's been one of your most consistent arms out of the pen. Both of those guys are lefties. And then one of the biggest recruits in the country, the number one overall freshman in the country, Cam Johnson, should have probably declared for the draft, probably would have been a high draft pick, decided to come to Baton Rouge. He's from Lake Charles. I believe he went to Barb. Um, He's throwing 96 to 100, which is insanity. He's like 6'5". Um nothing but I've heard nothing bad about him right big body and big arm to match and then of course you've got two guys that are injured now but I believe they could also be starters in this lineup and you've got Jaden Newt a uh, right-handed pitcher who lit up fall ball last year and unfortunately got hurt before the season started everybody was expecting him to start over Chase Shores who's the other guy that's injured who we saw start at the beginning of the season last year also a right-handed pitcher so, in my opinion, we have at least seven guys that are starting pitcher quality, and even if they don't start for you, they'll come out of the pen, get you eight to ten outs if you even if you even need that. Yeah, I mean, uh, to give you a break, because you went on a, a nice little run there, um, like you said, the team is built very differently than it was last year. Last year, it was uh, our offense is going to score. Can our pitching hold back the other offense? And this year, it might be the other way around. Um, but like you said, starting pitching, I'm not really worried about our starters too much. I mean, I feel like we've got a lot of experience, which is very good for a starting lineup in college baseball to have that experience there because, you know, you have guys who maybe, you know, maybe there's a lot of guys who come into college and aren't really worried about college. Or they're just there because they're trying to up their draft stock, you know. Um, but I feel like we have a lot of guys with experience from the right and the left, like you said. Uh, Thatcher Hurd's a righty, Luke Holman's a righty, and then you've got Ackenhausen, Jump, Griffin Herring are all lefties. Um, so we've got guys who have been at LSU, guys who transferred in, true freshmen like Cam Johnson. Um, so my word for LSU this year is versatility. Um, I think that's something that's huge on this team right now is, you know, not only is the starting pitching versatile in the sense of they've started and they have experience, but they've also been bullpen arms, so they know what it takes to get those three outs in the middle of a game that you really need to get a spark going. Um, and that'll bring us into our relief pitchers, too. I mean, Javen Coleman came about halfway through last year coming off an injury and, you know, started to figure it out uh, during the SEC tournament. Um, Will Helmers is a guy who, you know, I think can contribute heavily in the bullpen. I think he might be reminiscent of a Riley Cooper last year who, you know, if if there's a guy who you need to get outs, Will Helmers is going to come in there and do it for you. Um, you know, you got Cade Woods, who's another Bama transfer, who can come in there and do that as well. Gavin Gidry's a guy um, who they've talked about being either that setup man or the closer for us long term. Um, which, speaking about versatility, he can also play the infield for you, um, he, and he's pretty good with the bat in his hand as well. Um, there's a couple other guys, you know, Justin Lower, Xavier transfer. Um, you put on your notes here, either possible starter or possible closer. Do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, his his numbers at Xavier were just outstanding. He was one of the first guys to com- commit out of the portal. I believe we were still playing games in Omaha when it happened. 
And so a lot of people were like, oh, Paul Skeens went from a small college, had great stats, came to LSU, was amazing. And so, like, that's where the translation might be different is can Justin Lohr actually compete in the SEC? There was no question about uh, Paul Skeens in the offseason, but Justin Lohr, there's still some question marks there's not many great teams that Xavier plays in the regular season. Um, but another thing is the the four guys that were on this roster that are coming back, Coleman, Gidry, Helmers, Little, all four of those guys, you can count on them to get three outs. and that's Three of them you definitely can. <laughs> we're being positive. This is the preview. Hey, I'm being positive about everyone not named Christian Little. Christian Little played great against Arkansas and then kind of had a bad year last year after that. I mean, when the slider's on, it's on. It, it was a much much more of a control thing with him last year. Um, and then also you've got a freshman who's also playing the field like Gavin Guidry is and Jake Brown supposedly throwing mid-90s. It's a possibility you see him as pitching this season. It's a possibility you don't. Um, but... Personally, my favorite guy, the guy I'm most excited about, is Aiden Moffitt. He really had a role of just being a bench guy last year, but every time the camera panned to the dugout, you can find Aiden Moffitt smiling ear to ear. And it's great to see a team player. I mean, we saw it with Travinsky and uh, Malazzo in the past couple years. Those guys were happy for each other the whole way, competing for the same job. Um but supposedly in fall ball, Aiden Moffitt's been pitching, been throwing 99-mile-an-hour fastballs, and then has a 96, 98-mile-an-hour sinker, which is, like, the most absurd thing that anyone has said, that that guy was just sitting on our bench for the national championship. Yeah. Which I'm sure he had a great offseason, improved so much. And so I'm excited about him. Maybe he's a starter. Maybe he's a closer. Maybe he's the guy that you turn to, like, Riley Cooper, where you need a long stretch of outs, maybe need nine outs in the middle of a game because your starter didn't have a great game. That Aiden Moffitt's the guy to turn to, I believe, this season. He's going to saw off some bats, going to break some bats. Well, he, he's the aluminum bats. Never mind. But <laughs> in MLB, he's going to break some bats, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about our pitching rotation last year. That was a point of contention last season before Omaha ever got started is can our pitchers last long enough to get us to the championship? Um, and then ended up being a big reason why we did win the championship. I mean, there were games where we couldn't get runs on the board. I mean, we had that 11-inning Wake Forest game where it took us until the 11th inning to get a singular run, and that's what ended up winning us the game with Tommy Tanks hitting a home run. Um, you know, speaking about Tommy Tanks, he's the leader of this team. He's coming back. Um, you know, he had that shoulder procedure, so we're unsure of his status to begin the year. We don't know if he's going to be fully healthy, but we know that when push comes to shove, he's going to be our third baseman. Um, you know, just kind of going around the diamond. Shortstop Michael Braswell is a transfer in from South Carolina. We know he's going to be locking down the shortstop position. Uh, kind of the opposite of Jordan Thompson, where it was like a he's a bat, but what can he do defensively? Braswell is a lockdown defender. I know you don't hear that much in, in baseball, but there's not nothing's going to get past him, and he's not going to make errors, um, which is something you need out of a shortstop in college baseball. Um, second base is a question mark that I want to get to and we can talk about. First base, um, we're probably looking at Jared Jones with Trey Morgan, who I think is one of the best players in LSU baseball history, uh, finally making his way into the MLB. 
Uh, Jared Jones is going to fill that spot. Obviously, at DH, we've got Hayden Travinsky, who kind of had his breakout year last year. Um, he was kind of either a home run strikeout guy for a long time, but he finally, you know, he, he came around to like the doubles and, you know, the hits in the gap where he had upped his batting average and got on base when he needed to. Um, and then at catcher, we'll have Brady Neal, who's back from injury. Moving on to the outfield, Paxton Kling is going to lock down right field. Center field, we've got a transfer in from Arizona, Mac Bingham, who I think is going to be a huge bat for us. Um, you know, he he's similar to Tommy Tanks when, as far as a transfer who comes in who you know is going to hit the ball over the fence and you know is going to get some runners across the plate. Um, so very excited what he can bring. And then in left field, you just talked about him. Uh, Jake Brown's kind of the guy who they're talking about right now because not only is he looking great on the mound in fall ball, but he's great with the bat in his hand too. So if he can be a freshman who plays left field for us that can also pitch, it's like what we saw last year with Gavin Gidrio on steroids. Um, so, I mean, I'm really excited about what we have in the field too. It's not only about our pitching. Um, and then that question mark comes to second base. So I want to get your take on this. From what I've heard, it sounds like Josh Pearson is going to be our second baseman. Jay Johnson said he's been playing there a lot in fall ball um, because he does have that versatility that we've seen out of other players, kind of like a Dugas who played outfield and then went play second base. Uh, Pearson's kind of following that same mold. So um, left to second both years? What's up? Was that left to second? Left to for, second both Duga? years. Dugas used to be our left fielder, and last year was Josh Pearson, um, and now they're both moving to second base. So what's your thoughts on second base? with Josh Pearson and then maybe who are some other options that could also uh, fill that gap? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you can exclude Josh Pearson from the lineup ever, period. Yeah, I mean, he came up huge for us in the last month and a half of the season last season. Yeah, and as a freshman, he was his bat was clutch uh, against Southern Miss and ultimately got eliminated in that game, but he was one of the driving forces in that. Um, but Gavin Guidry is supposed to have one of the most electric bats out of last year's class and so it's hard to say that for another year you're just going to use Gavin Guidry as this slow ball closer which I personally didn't want to see but it seems to be it seems like it's going to be that way again Um, but you also have an opportunity from like Ben Napolt last year filled in at second when Dugal was hurt you know he's a great defensive player do you really want two outstanding defensive performers down the middle? Yes, but do you want to sacrifice the bats like that? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that was Napolt's biggest question mark last year's. You know, he he was playing great defense for us, but he didn't bring the bat and he didn't bring the eye that Duga had. I mean, we looking at we were looking at stats earlier. Duga hit over three hundred, and then he got hit by the ball like thirty three times. Yeah, um, in seventy games, so. Can Nipple bring the uh, the uh, bat to second base? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, and I want to touch back on uh, Tommy White's injury. He had shoulder surgery, I believe, mm-hmm. in the offseason. Um, so Jared Jones is most likely going to start at third to begin the season. And then at first, for Jared Jones is going to be Hayden Travinsky. So maybe that opens up the DH spot where you see, like, Gavin Guidry or the guy that's not playing second or the guy that's not playing the outfield fill in that role for a little while. Um, And then ultimately when the season picks up and everybody's, all your fielders are healthy at least, 
you have this three-headed monster at catcher. You have the offensive mastermind, in my opinion, and Hayden Dravinsky, the guy that's going to hit the ball 500 feet. Yeah. And then you have this left-handed bat, great defender, and Brady Neal, a guy that we saw start last year as a freshman over both of the other guys that I'm going to mention. Um and then, in my opinion, you have the best defensive catcher in college baseball, and his bat is okay, but it's... Definitely improved. It's definitely improved, but it's not on a level to play great SEC baseball, in my opinion, and Alex Malazzo, but the fact that you have one of the best defensive catchers ever, and he just can't see the field because you have these other two guys in the same position is kind of mind-boggling. Um, also in outfield, we saw a lot of Ethan Fry uh, last season play outfield as just what I think he was meant to. Like he, I think Jay Johnson just wanted his bat in the lineup. He wanted him to see other arms other than the LSU staff. And do you put him in the outfield? Can he play the outfield in the SEC with such a big frame? I don't know, especially when you have guys like uh, – Bigum Brown and Kling. But ultimately, this team's super deep, both from pitching and fielding-wise. Um, hard to say that we won't be back in Omaha at least. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to guarantee a national championship because that's never a good look. But um, looking at the depth um, and looking at you know the transfers we brought in, the experience that's already built into this team, I mean, I, I really, I really like us. I mean, it's hard to think that after losing probably what five or six of our nine batters in the Omaha lineup from last season, but we've got good players still. Just because good players leave doesn't mean you have don't have good players to fill in the spots. And I think you know we talked about that with not only the transfers we brought in, but some true freshmen who can really step up, and some guys who maybe saw the bench last season uh, taking a bigger role within our lineup, like Ethan Fry and uh, guys like that. So I'm really excited for the LSU baseball season. We have about a month until it starts, I believe. Um, so, you know, we're we're getting right around the corner to seeing some LSU baseball, um, and that'll be something we talk about tons uh, on the Off the Dome Sports Podcast moving forward. So, you know, we covered football, um, both collegiate and professionally. We covered some LSU baseball. Um, we do want to mention, you know, we have the Pelicans uh, on tomorrow night. Um, they've been... You know, other than a few games here and there, they've been playing some pretty good basketball, um, kind of floating between the five and seven seed all season. I wouldn't be surprised to say that they'll be there when the season ends either, uh, maybe even higher if they can find that hot stretch, getting some consistency from our guys. Um, but they're getting healthy and they're playing good basketball. Yeah, they've gone two and two since the last time we filmed the pod. Um, a great win on national television against the Warriors which was a blowout, which is crazy to think that a Pelicans team can blow out any Warriors team. Um, yeah. You also got, you also had to go into Denver, which is tough always, no matter what happens, going into Denver, defending champions. You know the ball's going to move amazingly with Jokic and Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot. Um, so that was a tough loss. And then we saw... Four out of our top six guys uh, sit against the Mavericks, 
We saw career highs out of Jordan Hawkins. Jordan Hawkins and the Hawk and an amazing win. Luca also said that game. Two days later, you play Dallas again in Dallas still. And uh, our guys played. Lucas still stayed out. Kyrie went on a heater. I believe Tim he Hardaway like, Jr. dropped 40 on us. Yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. was was not missing. No matter how great, how greatly we defended him, he was just hitting it. Yeah. Um, Which is also similar to the Nuggets loss. It seemed like no matter how good of a defense you set up, how how contested the shot was, the ball was just going through. And so, honestly, going two and two in that tough stretch is is not something bad to come out with. Yeah, and we have a couple tough stretches uh, for the rest of the year. I know we have like a five game stretch where we play five playoff teams from last season, and you know we'll we'll have those tough stretches over the schedule, but we're um, just over the halfway point of this NBA season as far as games play go. Um, and we're sitting at, you know, 25 and 17, I believe, is our record, um, somewhere around there. And if we can keep that same kind of uh, winning percentage, uh, we'll be looking at a good spot when it comes to the playoffs. So I'm, I'm really excited about what this Pels team can do. All right. I think that'll, that'll probably do it for this episode of OTD. It's been a fun one. Um, one of our shorter episodes, but, you know, we're kind of getting to the winding part of Louisiana sports season and just waiting for some stuff to kick up. And we'll have some other fun stuff coming out, too. Um, like we said with that playoff predictions video, we'll be doing more videos like that. Shorter, easier to contain content where we can put out our ideas and have some fun with it. So make sure to go check out our YouTube channel, Off the Dome Sports Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, thank you very much. Uh, give us a review, like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Make sure to check out the No YouTube channel as well, putting content over there, such as our LSU offensive and defensive coordinator videos. And then, of course, follow us on social media, off the underscore dome pod on Twitter, uh, the no at be in the no on Twitter as well. Um, follow the network, follow us, and make sure to stay tuned in all things Louisiana sports. I am Redfish. And I'm Rebuild Hustle. And we will see you next time.